Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about branding, marketing, and growing your private practice. I'm Brent Stutzman, and today we're going to be talking about how to attract and keep top talent without paying top dollar. And to help me to do that today is Jamie Shire. Dr. Jamie Shire is a physical therapist, former practice owner, author of The Practice Freedom Method, and founder of The Practice Freedom U, a company solely focused on helping physical therapists build highly profitable practices while living the life they deserve. Well, welcome back to the show, Jamie. Uh, Glad to be here, Brent. Appreciate you uh, taking the risk to have me back. <laughs> well, it's it was we had a really good conversation last time, and I'm really really excited to talk about this because man, we are, um, you know, many of our listeners will know that we are in a massive labor shortage here in America. The COVID lockdowns, the kids not in school, the social isolation has created a massive mental health crisis, uh, especially probably more in the urban than in the suburban areas, but it's really being felt across our whole country. And so what that means is the demand for mental health counseling has never been higher and practice owners can't find the labor (laughs) to meet the need that goes along with that. So what that means for practice owners is they have to be able to attract talent without breaking the bank. Because if you're in private practice, you know, margins aren't software margins. They're not super high profit margins. So you have to be really creative. So I'd love for us to just jump in and talk about this topic. How can we attract and keep top talent without paying them top dollar and breaking the bank? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what you said is spot on. And, you know, the reality is the schools are not producing enough therapists. I, I don't know the the specifics with that, because it's hard mm-hmm. to find some of these specifics with, with any of this uh, data, but we all can agree there's not enough licensed professionals being being put out there in, in the marketplace. Uh, maybe there are not as many people going to school. Maybe there's not enough schools or students coming, you know, that they're accepting. I, I, I don't know, but this is across mm-hmm. the board, whether it's mental health, whether it's physical therapy, occupational therapy. It's just not enough people for the demand. Now you add in what you just said about the the amount of stress and anxiety and the number of people. I mean, one of my uh, one of my clients. This is just just mind boggling to me. She has no joke a fourteen hundred person waiting list in her group practice. Fourteen hundred. Wow. Yeah, and it's it goes up every week. Yeah. And she has a, she has a, you know, what most people would say a very massive successfully business, mm-hmm. but I just look at her and I'm just like 1400. Let's see. How much is that? I mean, you're millions. Right. Just sitting there. But yeah. more importantly, not just financially, but more importantly, you have people just not getting the care that they need. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's, um, you know, that's, that it's just, it's just really difficult when you have that many people and now they're making the, the stigma of mental health. They're, they're taking some of that stigma away with celebrities. And I was, mm-hmm. I was listening mm-hmm. to something, uh, um, about, uh, who's that one person? I don't think it's, Oh, Ariana Grande. She mentioned something about her therapist. And then one of the other <laughs> young singers, um, mentioned something. So they're, they're trying to take some of the stigma away, which is doing what mm-hmm. getting even more people <laughs> engaged and That's trying right. to you know take care of themselves, you know, realizing that mentally is a part of this. It's not just, physical or something else. So, but but that's where, that's really where it's so difficult to hire because there's just not enough therapists out there. Right. And then you get into specializations. Like you could even go into like marriage counseling, which my marriage counselor is, I I, I think, I mean, everybody seems like it has a waiting list, but there's so much demand for marriage counseling now, which is a good thing. And I say it's a good thing because uh, I believe that the divorce rates are lower because you both, all of a sudden you had both parents in the same house kind of working together, making sure the kids are going to school, they're online mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And it's sort of like, okay, we actually want to work this out. Um, although I'm starting to hear some sign, like it, it's sort of like, well, divorce is starting to pop up again. It's, it's, it's starting, the rates are starting to go up a little bit. That's anatomically. Right. But now we're seeing child, ther- child therapists. I think the children were holding out long for the parents they saw what their parents were going through, stress at working at home, 
and they were holding out. And within the last six months, there has just been an explosion. And I'm talking mental health going down to like four, five-year-olds. Like it is the suicide ideation is through the roof. Um, and so like, and some of the practices I support, it's like, we can't hire fast enough and we don't even know where these people are. Like, we don't even know where, <laughs> where these potential hires even exist. They're really hard to find. Yeah. Um, again, you know, and they're full on. and they're, there's like, what's the incentive to even leave? Right. To, because they're, they're already filled up, maybe a better, better pay. I don't know. So yeah, let's keep, keep the conversation going. Cause I was going to a dark place there. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're going to a dark place, but I think you're going to the place that, that, you know, us business owners, that, that is the place that we go to, right? We we're a small business and we're trying to provide a service for our clients and, and, and doing this out of the love of, of, of wanting to help others. And it's, it's hard to do that if you don't have people. We can only do so much. You know, if you're a solopreneur listening to this, if you can't find enough people to actually help and treat, there's a problem because we just said that there are so many people that need our services. But when you start growing a, a group practice, you, you can't do it on your own and you need, and you need help. So I kind of want to look at this as there are still enough people to help you and your practice. It's not like there's nobody out there, but mm -hmm. it's more important that we stand out. We can't just look at Indeed and just copy somebody's ad. That It just doesn't work anymore. Um, it worked um, probably a, a year ago, year and a half ago, when all of a sudden everyone freaked out about the jobs and, and we mm -hmm. couldn't actually see people anymore before people went online and started doing kind of telehealth. Um, all of a sudden there's a million people, you know, applying to a job. But, you know, that doesn't work. So we have to be able to stand out. Um, and so what does that mean? So there's some thoughts I have around this, Brent. Yeah. Um, in order to stand out, we have to first get clear on the people we want to hire. You know, I, I, I had a mm. joke when I was, uh, when I was in private practice and, and, um, we were desperate to hire. We always seemed desperate to hire, right? <laughs> it was never kind of a, you know, looking in the future and preparing to hire. We were just in desperation mode and reactive mode. And I said, you know, just give me, just give me a therapist that has a license and a pulse. <laughs> and the, and the pulse was optional. Like, I mean, seriously, <laughs> just give me someone that had a license that could come in and we could just treat people and bill. And then my problems would be solved. Mm. But of course that, that whole attitude is, is wrong. So right. one of the things that, that, that I share is getting clear on the, on the personal traits, the qualities of the person that you're looking for. All right. That's different than the, maybe the certifications or the academic background. It's different. The quality of the, of the traits and the characteristics you're looking for of the person is more important than the other part. Right. If I had to choose between one, I would choose, give me the right person. I can teach them the right skills. Mm -hmm. You give me someone with, with skills, maybe they have a certification and you mentioned marriage counseling. That's great. But if they're not the right person that will connect with your company and what you believe in, that's going to create even a bigger issue. And as we know, it's so much more difficult to hire someone than lose someone and then mm -hmm. have to go through that process again very expensive and causes a lot of riff. So, um, so that's just one example. So if you're hiring, let's say a front desk person, what would be some of the qualities that you'd want for a front desk person? I know this might be rudimentary and basic, but just kind of work with me here. So do you want someone who's outgoing? I, I would think someone yeah. who's outgoing. Do you want someone who's more of a people person? All right. How about someone who's organized? right? Can keep their place together. Um, what about communicative? Mm -hmm. Someone mm -hmm. who's communicative, maybe personable. So everybody might say, well, yeah, of course. I can't tell you, and you might've experienced this. I can't tell you how many people, because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people, and I've worked with a lot of front desk people. Mm -hmm. They didn't have these characteristics. 
Right. And I'm it was like, like a, it was like a friend or they're like, we just need to fill it. Out. Can you just jump in here? A friend, a relative, yeah. maybe someone yeah. that was willing to accept $13 an hour for the front desk. Cause that's what you're willing to pay. Whatever mm-hmm. the reason why, when you ask them to do this exercise, and this is an exercise we have people do. And then you say, well, tell me what you're hired. You know, tell me who's in the position right now, or tell me the other people you've had. It's amazing how it's not this. Mm-hmm. So you're having someone that's in a job that is actually kind of geared up to fail. Because if you're not a people person, you're not organized, you're not communicative, and you have people coming into your practice or people calling in, um, that's not going to deliver a great experience for your clients and your patients. And it's not going to be something where your, your, your front desk really enjoys. Mm-hmm. So you create a kind of a double whammy right there. So that's, that's number one. Um, when we talk about, you know, how do you stand out? You get clear on that person. We're going to kind of put this together as well, but that's number okay. one. Um, the other thing is be clear on what your non-negotiable values are. So a value sometimes could be a kind of a vague word in itself. A value is a belief. So there are certain things that you believe, certain things that you hold dear about the work that you do. And you want to absolutely make sure that this candidate, this person that you're looking for, shares in those values. It doesn't mean they don't have their own values. And it doesn't mean that you guys believe and agree with every value. But you have to share in the values that are most important to you as as the business owner. Mm -hmm. So this is like some of the pre-work that you want to be doing, getting clear on the personal traits and characteristics of the person you want to hire for the whatever the position is, and get clear on what are your non-negotiable beliefs in the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting really clear on that, that whole idea of, of mission and vision, getting like, what's the, what's the world that you're trying to create or what are you trying to help fix or bring into existence and finding those, those characteristics to help you even from the front desk to everybody else, who needs, what, what characteristics does that person need in order to help you accomplish that mission? I'll, I'll share with my listeners. This is something, this is just a baseline. If you just need to get started somewhere, I found that uh, Patrick Lynchoni's, uh the ideal team player uh, has like these, he talks about humble, hungry, and smart. We look this for any clinician. Is, is the person humble? Are they willing to own up to their own mistakes? Do they not have a chip on their shoulder type of thing? This is, this is just the kind of the baseline. Are they hungry? Do they want to grow their caseload? Are they wanting to learn more, right? Is there an initiative there? And are they smart? And it's not book smart, but it's like people smart. Do they have, can they work as a, on a team? Uh, that's just the baseline because I think you would, I think you would agree because we had a conversation maybe the last time mm-hmm. is that you're, you're hiring, you're hiring primarily, you have to hire for culture first. What type of culture are you looking to build in your practice? And that should be, that should be the driver, not so much the degrees and everything, because anyone can make their resume look look really good. But it's it's really that type of person that you're bringing into your practice to build that team to help you accomplish that mission. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Lencioni's uh, book. Uh, I refer to it as PhDs: Poor, Hungry, and Determined. Um, <laughs> and poor isn't necessarily they're poor, but poor means kind of like to your humble type of thing. Mm-hmm right? They're not, they're not full of themselves. Mm-hmm. They're open to learning, right? They want to be somewhere that, you know, lets them in, 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 in flourish and grow. Um, so it's, there's, there's lots of different ways to, to think of it, but PhD yeah. always comes to mind. Um, <laughs> so I, I use that, uh, myself. I like that. Uh, um, so now we have, like you said, we have some elements now for this job at, and that's kind of what we're putting this to. You want to separate yourself. We got to get clear on what does separate you, which is what do you stand for? What are the beliefs about the company? Who you're looking for? And yes, uh, you can put you know some of your vision and stuff like that because we need to put in a uh, job position that's going to stand out, that's going to separate us from the person down the street. So mm. we literally can draw a line in the sand and say, Brent, here's what we're about. Here's what we believe. Here's the ideal person we're looking for. And if that sounds like you, 
then I encourage you to send your resume in a cover letter. If you just put the same old stuff that everyone comes, hey, we're looking for a front desk. We're looking for a therapist to join our team. Uh, we believe in quality care and helping others. Like it, that's that's nice, but it's not different than what the person is saying down there. So that's then right. yeah. how does that person know where to go? Because they don't know what really what you stand for. And then they can make a decision where, wow, this person, they seemed very strong in their own convictions. Mm. That's what you've done right now is by putting these traits and putting this um, your beliefs down and your values and, and perhaps the mission. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've done myself and I've seen so, so often is hiring out of desperation. Mm. Um, we are talent scouts. When you're a business owner, you're a talent scout. You're never not looking for people. Yes. And one of the challenges we have in our thinking is I'll look for someone when I need them. Mm -hmm. By the time you need them, it's almost too late. You find the right person, you find a position for them. Mm -hmm. mm. Which means if you're not always trying to grow your business and expand your business, you're never going to necessarily need that next person because your business isn't going upwards. So, you know, what's the point? So you always have to be growing. You always have to be looking, how can you expand? How can you help to whatever degree you're, you're, you're comfortable with and that you want. But yeah. as far as talent scouts, look, no matter what you do, people may jump somewhere else. People may get pregnant and get out of the business for a little while. You're mm -hmm. always looking for top talent. So that's number one. Chances Jamie, can I, can, if you can I can, go ahead? Can I share something on that? Because I yeah. heard on a, a podcast, he said that the, the the role of a CEO, like twenty percent of his time or her time, is like looking for hires, then like great hired people. Like they, they said, twenty percent. And as I've been helping practice owners and like yourself, like the ones who who are most successful in growing and want to grow are the ones who have a strong network. They know where to go to get hires, whether that's, you know, and so here's some ways that um, they do it is you try to have good connections to the local university that has a counseling program. Maybe there's like you want to be able to get the top interns if you can try to find a way to get top interns because they can be a great hire down the road. You're, you're thinking about other networking with other practice owners who are outside your niche. They might know somebody. Um, but it's really trying to just network as much as you can to develop your own network. Because like you said, people move, will move on from the job and you need a place to be able to fill them. Or you can diversify your team enough that when you do lose somebody, it doesn't crush your private practice. Like it doesn't leave a gaping hole in it. And you're, and then you have to hire out of desperation when you shouldn't, but you're going to, that pool to hire out of desperation is going to be so strong. Yeah. And not only that, when you hire out of desperation, you sometimes overlook the flaws that are right in front of you. And then you <laughs> right. go back and, and we're sitting down and talking about some, you know, some of your uh, current or past people. And it's like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize it. You know, the mind, the, the mind sees what it wants to see. So if you're if your focus is, um, yeah, this person had a gaping uh, hole in their resume. They didn't work for a few years or they were, they were at seven different jobs and, oh, it's okay. They probably weren't the right fit. Like, you know, you're seeing all these issues or they showed up late or they yes. just didn't share. They just didn't, you know, the front desk didn't communicate right. Um, just how they answered certain questions. They were complaining about their previous boss, like mm. all of these yellow and red flags that you just chose not to see. Yes. Because in your mind, I need to get someone in here ASAP. And I'm yes. willing to sacrifice the right person to do that until, of course, you hire that person and you realize, I wish I never went there because it's now going to cost me even more in time and money and frustration for hiring that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what's the solution uh, to doing that? Um, the simple solution is developing a system. You know, one of the systems that 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 I've created that um, uh, I share in my book, the Practice Freedom Method, which um, I, I want to give uh, um, at least additional download to everybody listening, mm. um, it's called Right Fit Hire. So I developed a step by step 
process out of necessity because we went through so many darn hires because I did everything which you're not supposed to do. I had <laughs> hire out of desperation, just avoid all the all the you know red flags that were saying red flag, red flag, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm colorblind. I don't see red flags. Come on in, come on in. We're we'll we'll, we'll give you whatever you want. Um, so slowing yourself down, right? You know, the, the saying goes, you know, hire slow and fire fast. Mm-hmm. So having a hiring process so will help slow you down. So a process on how to, um, you know, send out an ad, how to write the right ad, how to do a resume review, how to do an interview properly, uh, separating the interview, perhaps a phone interview, then an in-person interview, maybe a shadowing or working interview. Mm-hmm. It forces you to slow down because of the impulse and reaction that all of us have in that moment of need. Having a process slows you down and helps you hire a better person. Um, It's it's one of the most important things that that I ever did and that I've seen so many other people do. Yeah, I I totally agree on that. Um, Can I ask, how do you would you recommend inviting team members from your practice, those who are a part of your practice to have conversations with this potential hire and then to get their feedback as well? Yeah, well, the answer is simply yes. Um, You want people that are bought in. You want people drinking the Kool-Aid, bought in, willing to walk over the hot coals for you, whatever thing you want to say. You want people (laughs) that buy into what you said before is culture. I heard a very interesting definition of culture. Culture is the buy-in of your employees of the beliefs of the company. So when we talk Hmm. about culture, we're talking about people buying in and exemplifying what the belief and values of the company. That is culture. So, and those beliefs, those values are basically the guidelines of behavior of how we act. Whether you're there or not, this is how you separate yourself from being at the business 24-7, right? We call that having practice freedom. Um, So to your point, yeah, absolutely. Now, we don't want to have it interview by committee, meaning we don't want 16 people being a part of the interview process. It should be you. It's a really small company, you. If it's a little bit larger, then perhaps it's your, your office administrator or someone like that. Uh, Maybe you're a part of it, depending on what the position is. But during the working interview or the shadow, that's the time when you're not there to get a sense on how they fit in. Mm -hmm. That's what you're looking for. You can't have them, you know, quote, treat anybody and, and talk to them. You can't have them do those services during that, but you can see how they engage. You can see how they ask questions. You can see how they, do they have their arms crossed, not talking to anybody? Big sign. Yeah. Right. Do they seem to fit in right away? Like, oh, my God, this person fits in and it's genuine. Your staff knows the BS meter. Yeah, They know if there's something not right with your people, especially your staff. Mm-hmm. That is part of your core. They get it team. Um, I've seen the mistake where you have some of your staff you're trying to help. You're like, hey, you can be a part of this. And they're having their staff that really don't buy into the company. Mm-hmm. They're having their own problems within the within the uh, business. And now you have these people trying to attract other people. That's kind of scary because good people are going to recognize when there's not people like them in the company, the bad people will be like, sure, I'll come on. This seems like easy. doesn't seem there's any accountability. You can kind of do what you want. And you know, when in doubt, you just blame someone else. So, you know, you want to be careful about that. You want to make sure that you have people that, you know, have bought in, but for sure. Good. Great. Thank you. Um, so developing that, that system is, is really cool. That process. And like I said, if you don't have one, um, we have one, uh, it's in the book, right fit hire. It's, it's step-by-step of exactly what to do. You take it, you modify it, you make it your own guaranteed to help you hire a better person and do it in, um, in a process. So it's not just something that you, can, can use, it's something that you can develop and then teach some of your other uh, people, whether they're a director or the manager or the office manager or something to, to do and follow, which again, helps you know take some of it off your plate as well. Um, I think we all know that it's considerably 
more expensive to hire someone than it is to just retain someone, right? Hmm, this, yes. is the, this is the problem that, that we have is, you know, um, how do you keep the good people? And how do you keep the good people? And I say that specifically good people because there's some people, I wouldn't say a million, but there's some people that may just have to go. Mm-hmm. If it's more than, I don't know, let's say you have a business of 10. If it's more than one person, there's probably a problem there, right? You know, uh, the Deming rule. You ever heard of the Deming rule, Brent? No, Ed- I haven't. Edwards Deming. He, he's this status guy, business guy, all that stuff. He did all the research. And during his research, looking at all different types of companies, the Deming rule states 94% of businesses' problems is due to poor systems. It's not, believe due, it. it's not due to bad people, though. Hmm. See, when I talk to somebody and I'm like, so what's going on in your business? It's very easy and convenient to attack a person. You attack their character. You attack their this. You attack their that. No one ever says, oh, you know what? We probably don't have a clear expectation and a process in place for them to follow that they've been properly trained on. No one looks at that. So the Deming rule is 94% of the problems in a company, in any company, were due to that. Hmm. But if you start to look at it and start saying every person in your business is bad, you have to look at, well, what's in place and who's the person putting that stuff in place, which of course is us and the owners. Yeah. Um, so it's really expensive to replace staff. Most staff you're going to have a problems with their productivity while they're with you, right? Some bad staff are probably causing a little bit of drama, the problems Mm -hmm. that are coming to you. Mm -hmm. Then when you do let them go or they quit, now you have the expense and the time and losing money from people you could be treating because you don't have someone to do it mm-hmm. um, that you're incurring. And then, of course, when you do finally hire that next person, you have the onboarding and training and ramp up time. All of this equals a lot of money. And there's something right. else that happens when you lose somebody. Yeah. It affects the culture and morale of the company. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's that's a big one. So I know with our company, there was a time, this is a terrible story, but I'll share it anyways. There was a time (laughs) where in one year, I had 13 people quit. My company only had six people. So I had 200% of my staff quit. So basically, (laughs) everyone quit, then everyone quit again (laughs) in less than 12 months. Well, I could keep looking, I could keep looking and saying, well, Brent, he was a bad person. He's not a good guy. That person, she's not that. She eventually had to look in the mirror and say, "Well, maybe it's you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, okay. So, what was that like for you? Like, w- man in the mirror, right? I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even notice it, Brent. It is. I had a neighbor. We were sitting down. I remember it clear as day. We were sitting down, and he's like, "Well, who'd you fire this week?" I go, <laughs> I go "What are you talking about? We're having a beer. We just played tennis. We're having a beer." And I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, well, every week we, we sit down and you tell me who quit or who'd you fire? I go, I do. He goes, every week. I go, huh. So I, I uh, next morning I go to my um, my office manager and I go, can you give me a list of all the people we've hired in the last year and all the people that have left? And then she's like, and here's another one. I'll see and you she later. Goes, it's 24. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jamie. It's 25 now. Here you go. And... And that's not far from the truth. Yeah. That was the wake up call. That was Mm. the man in the mirror, Michael Jackson moment of Mm -hmm. dude. Okay. What's the problem? And that's when I started to learn and, 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 you know, learn from others, take courses and try things and start to realize there was actually a way to hire. There was a way to treat people and communicate with people. There was a way to, meet their needs so they want to stay with you and want to be part of what you're doing. And that required me to do a lot of work myself. Hmm. Um, And once I started doing that, it didn't take long to actually begin to hire better people and to keep good people. And Mm -hmm. realizing when you had that, 
you started to achieve this idea of, we call it practice freedom, but basically having a business that had a great team that operated it day in and day out that you weren't a slave to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it all had to do with team and it all was in that moment of my neighbor who's still my neighbor. We joke about it saying, well, who'd you fire this week? (laughs) (laughs) Man. Yeah. Uh, How demoralizing for you to go through that. I mean, I, I know when practice owners lose, somebody, whether it's just like a punch in the gut, like it's just, it's just an emotional roller coaster. And if yeah. you can avoid, avoid all that, you know, with just good hiring practice, that go a long way. And here's another, here's another downside. If somebody leaves because of some toxic thing, whether they didn't like you or the practice, where you now have an ambassador who's not for your practice, <laughs> leaving the practice going into the oh, world. Yeah. Right. You know, so, so there's like, PR, there's branding um, issues yeah. because now they're not a fan of your, they're not a fan of your practice. Anymore. I, I have a client um, that's in the, you know, the mental health space and she's, you know, she's, she's had some of these issues and mm-hmm. seeing those negative reviews, uh, I forgot oh. the name of the platform, but she's like, Oh, another negative review on yeah, the, Google on, review or something like it was, that. Yeah. yeah it was the hardest. Like glass, glass door, glass, oh, glass door. Okay. Something yeah. Like that. And it's like, oh, another negative review. And it's like, okay, uh-oh, damage control. How do yeah. you then respond to the negative review? Because you can't get into a pissing match in a public forum like that. Right. Um, then it's, well, we also need to be fixing why this is happening. It's going to mm-hmm. happen sometimes. People are disgruntled. But if you can stand up and saying, you know, hey, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. But we have to, we have to change how that's happening. Um, it's interesting. I did some research and I looked at, um, Harvard business review and Forbes and they, and they talked about a short list. Uh, I want to see what your thoughts on that, of what employees want. They want to mm. be paid fairly, paid fairly. It doesn't mean paid the most because none of us can pay someone more than what someone else could pay. We wouldn't be mm-hmm. in business for long if that was the case, but they want to yeah. be paid fairly. And here's the other thing, which I love. They want the work that they do to have meaning. Mm-hmm. They want it to have purpose. Another thing I thought yeah. was interesting. They want flexibility, especially mm-hmm. in this post-pandemic world. This this idea of you're working nine to five and you get the hour lunch and all that, that that's out the window. They, they want that flexibility. Um, the one that the area that I work on probably more than anything else with our clients and working with their teams is clear expectations and goals. Hmm. Brent, this starts with interviewing them. See, when we're interviewing someone and we're sharing, oh, here's your job description, if you even have one at the interview, many people don't. Or the job description was written 10 years ago and it's like, here you go. The person Mm -hmm. reads it like, okay, can you explain a little bit more what the position is? Because I don't know what this even says. Right. I assume something has to do with actually, you know, working with clients, working with patients. Um, but it really starts in that interview process, making sure that you are always being clear. There's a great saying, I'm sure you've heard this in the marketing world. Confused people don't. (laughs) You've heard that one, right? Right. Yeah. Across the board in anything. Confused people don't. A confused person that's not sure what's expected of them will not be as productive as they could. A confused person will not stay in your company. If they're not sure what they're being asked to do, and they're constantly being, you know, yelled at or saying you're doing it wrong. Confused people don't. And of course, in the marketing world, confused people don't purchase. They yeah, don't buy. Yeah. So, Confusion's the number one enemy of your business. Number All one, levels. man. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing they talk about professional development. Mm. How much do we actually invest in our staff? I'm talking more than just your clinical staff giving them a few shekels for their continuing ed. I'm talking about investing, maybe investing in communication, maybe investing in their emotional intelligence, investing in what some people refer to as their soft skills, but they're not soft. They're human skills, Hmm. like really investing in their well-being and their professional growth. You see, the bigger companies can do that easily, Right. right? And that's a part of their way, but we can do it too. A small fries can can do it too, but it takes the mentality of the owner thinking like that and seeing their staff as their greatest asset. And how do I invest more in their well-being, 
Yes, I've heard this story too. They could leave. I invest, I spend all this time and money and then they leave or they open up their own. I get it. Mm -hmm. But as somebody said one time, he's like, well, what if we invest in them and they leave? CFO says that. Yeah. CEOs. Well, what if they don't and they stay? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the idea. If you're not investing with them and they stay with you, they're not developing as people, which they're not providing additional value to your company. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge one. And then the other thing they mentioned in this article was recognition and praise. Huge. It might be number fifth on this list, but it is hmm. huge. You want to retain people? How about we recognize them? How about we don't just criticize and tell them what they're not doing well? How about we give them genuine praise, genuine appreciation, not just the old social graces of, hey, you're doing really good, but specific. You know, Brent, I really appreciate how you have worked with you know, Mrs. Smith, I know she can be difficult and man, you just have such a great talent and how to really listen to her and, and kind of help her see things. It's just, yeah, just really amazing. Like people want that people yeah. need it. And if they don't get it, they'll go somewhere else to search it again. As long as you're paying people fairly, money is not what we're talking about. We mm -hmm. can compete on all these other levels. Mm -hmm. So those are ways that, that I've experienced that, you know, obviously research supports um, to keep your best talented people. Yeah. Well, think, yeah, that that's a lot of wonderful tips. And I, I can't wait to for my producer, Dustin, to capture all that. <laughs> and, there's and there's a lot it. of stuff. I'll, I'll leave yeah. you with one more quote. It, sure. It's another quote. Hey, Dustin, you can grab this, man. Um, <laughs> the same reason they come to work for you will be the same reason they leave. Hmm. Oh, now I'm thinking, take that one home. Uh, I normally I would say, think about that one on the drive home, but nobody's driving home anymore. We're yeah. in your office <laughs> at home. Uh, <laughs> listen to that one. When you walk out of your office to the kitchen, the yeah. same reason people come to work for you will be the same reason why they leave you. If they come to you because of money, they will leave when someone pays them more. Mm. If they okay. come yeah. to you because you gave them an opportunity will be the same reason they leave for a better opportunity. So you, you think about why they're coming to work for you. And mm. when you're intentional of what you're providing, it allows you then to retain them because they're not want to go. They're not going to want to go anywhere else because they're getting their. They're filling up their tank with you. Yeah, they're getting what they need from you. As business owners, small business owners in this healthcare world, here's the good news: the bar is very low. You don't have to do much. The stuff I gave you today, if you put in five percent of what we talked about, you will stand out so much from the competition. Yeah. But it does take work that's different than the work we might be doing. Yeah. You mentioned you talk to CEOs and they spend a good portion of their time looking for talent. Well, I would say spend even a bigger portion of your time thinking about the talent that you have. Mm -hmm. Thinking about how to create an atmosphere, how to create a place where people wouldn't want to leave. And the not so good people would almost be like a force field. They would never come into your place because <laughs> they know there would be way too much fun, too much accountability, not enough room for drama and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I just thought, um, before we jump to the last point, yeah. I was thinking the, you know, a great question to ask an interview. Well, why, why work at my practice and not another practice? Understanding the why behind they would even be interested in working that might actually maybe reveal a little bit, well, it's the opportunity or it's the, cause I want to be able to learn this stuff or whatever it might be. Um, I have why conversations with potential clients, but it'd be interesting to have a set of why, why questions yeah. to ask potential hires. Well, why, yeah. why work for us and not someone else? I, I do the same thing. Um, when we teach and, and again, it's, it's in the right fit hire. I, I put interview mm -hmm. questions you can ask. 
I, I don't necessarily use the word why, but that's just my own philosophical way. Sometimes why can be attacking, like there's a right or wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me the right answer. <laughs> right. So I don't use the word why, um, but it's the same kind of question. But I would look, I, I, I sometimes ask it, what did you really love most about your previous job? Mm, yeah. What did you, what do you, what do you, what do you think is most important in a boss? So I'll talk about some of those positives and then I'll say something like, you know, a future-based question. If we were talking a year from today and you told me, Jamie, I'm leaving, what would most likely be the reason oh, yeah. why you're leaving? You didn't say you were quitting. Mm -hmm. You didn't say why. So now they have to think, this is a great thinking question. They have to now, and you can't prepare for it. Genuine, honest answers is the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. This is not in a what questions to ask or what be prepared for in an interview. They have to think, why would I most leave this job? Hmm. Now, I've never heard anyone say money, even though we think people leave because of money. Mm -hmm. I've never heard someone say, it doesn't mean it might not be true, but I've heard things like, if I wasn't being treated well, if I wasn't being recognized for the work I was doing, if I wasn't being rewarded for the work I was doing. And of course, my next question would be, tell me more about rewarding. Yeah. Instead of assuming I know what they meant. So it's a great conversation starter to see uh, one of my one of my employees. She was a, a clinical director. I was hiring for my clinical director. And I asked her this question. And she goes, because my husband was going to be relocated because he was in the military. All of a sudden. Now I know the husband's in the military and I'm like, that's cool. What do you do? Where do you go? And guess what? Three years later, she goes, my husband got relocated to Germany. I said, that's awesome. But I had her, I had her for three years. Yeah. She was phenomenal. But that question allowed me not to be surprised and for her to give me as much advance notice as the military gives you <laughs> yeah. to prepare for the next person. So, yes, there are very specific questions we can ask to really understand how the person thinks, what they like, and whether their answers are aligned with what we believe in. Mm -hmm. So I'll, 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 I'll leave you with a couple of things here, your, your audience with a couple of things. We talked about characteristics. We talked about traits. We talked about qualities. We talked about um, really being clear in what our values are and putting these into the ad, Right. So at Trier Physical Therapy, we believe in integrity, meaning this. We believe in lifelong learning, meaning this. Um, the, the type of person that would be best uh, suited for this position would be someone that, you know, um, you know shares in these beliefs and also is outgoing and, and fun and, and just loves being people, whatever, okay? Right. Here's how you then connect it to the interview. The interviews and connected is, what most attracted you in the job offer? What mm. resonated with you? So you're putting it out there and they obviously sent their resume where people don't always connect it because the resume or because the job, you know, the, the ads are just the same as every other freaking job out there. Right. Is you put specific stuff in there. The answers that you're going to love getting are the ones, well, you talked about the type of person you talked about some of your values in here and that's me. Wow. Really? Tell me more. And then they start sharing it. And all of a sudden you're getting excited because you realize this person shares in what you're about. Mm. Of course you then have to have the basic skills and whatever right. of the, that that's a part of it, but that's the part where you're like, this is the right person. Then it's mm -hmm. figuring out, where they need to go in the company and all that. So that's yeah. how you're connecting some of this stuff, the qualities and all that to the ad, then connecting the ad to your interview process and really getting a clear heck yeah or heck no of whether this person is a good fit. And then you move forward and discuss the offer and all that kind of stuff. Oh man, that's so good. Can I uh, just quick little sponsor break here and then we can get into the wrap up for if you have anything else to share, Jamie. So, you know, so before we go on, I want the listeners to know that I have this resource 
Uh, it's called uh, the five website items every practice needs. And we just talked about this a little bit. You know, the, the number one enemy of your business is confusion. The number one enemy of your website is going to be confusion. So I put together this little PDF, five website items every practice needs. Now, here's the thing. You want your website to turn it you know, to do the selling for you. It should be a 24-7 selling engine. So go to brandyourpractice.com and go to the re the free resource link. It's on the top of the page. And it'll take you to another page where you can download this free resource. And it will help you figure out what do I need to have on my homepage specifically to eliminate confusion. I look at websites all day long. Not all day long, but I look at a lot of websites. And um, a lot of times you're going to have a lot of tiny print. Everyone thinks that their practice is so unique. They have to tell everybody every little detail about it. Yeah, Jamie, you're shaking your head. Yeah. And so lots of tiny 12 point, 12 point font all throughout the page. And when I do, when I want to be mean, <laughs> I'll say, no one's reading this. Your grandma's not even reading this. Like no one's going to be reading this. So why is it here? It's just adding to the confusion of your website. And when you confuse people, you're going to lose them. So go to brandyourpractice.com today download that free resource five website items every uh, practice needs and and you will and they're just a few tweaks and you're going to see a jump in people wanting to schedule an appointment with you so go do that today today all right Jamie anything anything else that you want to share before we wrap well, up I loved your little plug and absolutely go down and, and definitely uh, do that because a lot of what we're talking about will resonate on your website mm. because it is about clarity, right? And when we're looking for someone in our practice, we want to get clear on who that person is. We want to get clear on why that person would want to be in our company, not the hope and pray method. Hope is not a strategy. I hope, <laughs> I hope this person's a rock star. If I hear that, I'm like, oh, I cringe. I go, okay, don't give me a rock star. Just give me someone who is passionate about playing the guitar and if they come into our world we're going to make them a rock star but they're going to be a rock star in our practice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um I, I guess as a, as a wrap-up for me you know we we talked about uh, the same reason people come to work for you will be the same reason they leave um some other uh tips that will help you uh during the interview process and, and hiring a great person i think you mentioned a couple before it is have a strong vision right? Your vision is what is your company uh, about? Where is it going? Mm -hmm. Because during the interview, one of the things, and this always separates us and allows me to shine. Um, I go, um, hey, um, would you be interested in hearing what our vision is? Uh, our, my place was called Schreier Physical Therapy. Um, Schreier PT, would you like to hear a vision? And they're always like, um, yeah, because no one's ever <laughs> asked them that. And then I would sit there for a couple minutes and I would share what our company is about. I would share why I started this. I would share where we're going. Mm. And I shared how this person could be a part of this movement. Look, it was either a hell yes or a hell no after that. This was yeah. even before the interview started. I just came in and shared that part because that was the part I love to do. And then I'd yeah. leave and let my, my clinical staff to take care so having that vision and having something that it's actually you're passionate about, you're mm -hmm. proud of is just huge. I used to think, you know, vision, mission, values, that thing was all just a big waste of time. And that was for bigger companies. And I realized, uh-uh, it isn't. It actually is what separates us. So that's one thing. Uh, the other tip would be be clear on the role that this person is coming in for. Like we talk about confused people don't. Be clear yep. on the role and be clear on what success looks like. I'll repeat that last part. Mm -hmm. Be clear on what success looks like. Because when you are able to describe that to them, they can get a picture of they know what it's going to, what it will look like when they're successful in the company. So if there's not objective metrics associated with mm. success and it's just kind of your subjective, I'll just tell you when you're doing well or not, no bueno, not, not good, not, not, not good. So these are some other things you want to have in place for this interview of success metrics. Um, 
Uh, we talked about just the right mindset and culture. We call it an attitude of gratitude. Um, it, it just incorporate that, um, incorporate recognition and praise, and you will keep people. Um, and I'll just leave it at this. Invest in your team, um, not just technically, but invest in your team as these are people are future leaders in yeah. your company. I don't care if your company's three people or 500 people. These are future leaders. Invest in your team. I'll leave you awesome. with that. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much. Man, I've been wanting to have this conversation because this is such a hot topic. It's like, how do you hire people <laughs> and keep them? Because it's so important for practice, for stability, to, to grow in your brand, and to actually just ultimately helping people consistently in the communities that you serve. Now, you mentioned, uh, I want you to plug your book here because it sounds like you have your uh, hiring checklist. Is that in, in your book? Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah. So the, the Practice Freedom Method, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll have the link. You, you just mm -hmm. click on the link, you go, you, you download it right away. Um, if you want a, a physical copy of the book, you can just go to Amazon, but you can get a free digital copy of it. And um, one of the chapters um, is um, Right Fit Hire. It, it's how to hire A players. A players comes from the old Steve Jobs. That's how he thought of people as, as trying to get mm -hmm. A players instead of, you know, B or C or even D players. Um, <laughs> so I created this that I've been sharing now for years and it just works. It works and it works every time and it works for really any type of business, especially in the, um, you know, private practice world. So uh, just go there, um, grab a copy, go to that one area and you'll, you'll get exactly the interview questions you can ask, exactly the process that that I've used and that I teach other people using. And of course, you're going to get a lot of other things because the book does have uh, 12 chapters of lots of other stuff around time management and marketing and, and uh, operations and financials and metrics and all that other stuff. So, but specifically what we're, what we're talking about is uh, go ahead, download, get the right fit hire and um, may your hires be wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I for, think of some, yeah. some thank you for that blessing, that benediction there, that benediction at the end. Yes. Well, the thank you for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, another practice owner, and please join me again the next time for the Brand Your Practice podcast.